Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. We are in Exodus chapter 20. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, it is page 118. As you're turning there, I just want to um, highlight uh, the law. One of the uses of the law, which we talked about several weeks ago, is to point out to us um, where we fall short. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And one of the uses of the law is throughout um, church history has been to show us where we fall short. Um, it's very easy when we study the law to get almost hyper-focused on those areas where we do fall short. And that includes me as well. And so the temptation is oftentimes to point out the law without pointing out grace. And so I want us to remember as we study the Ten Commandments that we cannot keep these. Perfectly. None of us in this room, none of us on this earth can keep the law of God perfectly. We're going to fail at some point. And James says, if you fail at even the smallest point, you have failed at all of them. Um, but there's grace as well as law within the scripture. And this law even points to that grace. And the grace is there is one that has kept it on our behalf. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so sometimes the spirit works very hard as we study the law to convict us and to show us where we fall short. But the Spirit also reminds us of the place where God has kept us. Jesus has kept that law on our behalf and has offered us grace because he kept the law. And so I have a tendency to look on the darker side of things and sometimes that pours through in my preaching. So please remember that the law comes with grace as well. The law comes with the promise of forgiveness and the law comes with the promise of the gospel. That the one who was tempted but did not sin has offered us forgiveness uh, and reconciliation with God. So today we will look at the fourth commandment, but as normal we will read through all ten of them as well as the Israelites' reaction to God speaking to them. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Excuse me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. 
When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your law. And we thank you for the reminder as we study your law that we cannot keep it. And for the inherent reminder in there that one has kept it for us. Lord, as we look at this law, help us to find rest. As we look at this law, help us to set apart one day out of a seven as holy to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When Gregory was about a year old, actually, it was, he, turned, he turned one year old on a Saturday. I went to work the following Monday to find out that I no longer had a job. I had been laid off uh, from my work. Downsized was the term they used to make it a little bit more palatable, I guess. So we went through a time where I was looking for work. And I interviewed with the company, and I made it to the second part of the interview, me and about 10 other people. And I showed up at the company. I showed up in their conference room on this this day for the second part of my interview and I was handed a packet of paper and I was told that I had three hours to work my way through it. You open up the packet of paper, you pull it out and the scenario was you're the brand new CEO of this company and you are starting work on Monday but to get a head start on things you were going to you came into the office on Sunday to begin to organize your files to begin to get a sense of what you needed to do in order to move forward in your new position as CEO of the company. I did not get the job. I think part of the reason I did not get the job was because I opened up my uh, schedule for the next day by saying I wouldn't work on Sunday. God says you shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so I would not be in the office on a Sunday, but I would come in early on Monday. And this is what I would do as I looked early Monday morning through the things that you have given me. It was a bold stand to take because I needed a job. Michelle graciously had gone back to work, gotten some extra hours, but we wanted her back home with the kids. And I'd been out of work for several months. Today, we're going to look at the commandment that I was seeking to keep. As I did that. Now, as we look at this commandment, there are several things we are not going to look at. We're not going to look at the comparison of what day is the day that we worship on. Is the Sabbath on a Saturday? Is the Sabbath on a Sunday? Um, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, uh, as well as other uh, passages in Paul, makes it clear that the New Testament church began to meet on the first day of the week. Uh, in order to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we meet on the first day of the week to celebrate that. It's almost as if we celebrate Easter every Sunday as we gather together on the first day of the week because Christ rose on the first day of the week. The other reason we're not going to look at that is if you know anything of the history of the calendar, our calendar has changed multiple times since the Christ uh, rose from the dead. So we really don't even know what the first or the seventh day was compared to what they were celebrating then. The other thing I'm not going to talk about is uh, I'm going to admit the fact that there are 
exceptions to this rule. Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and so we can uh, um, extrapolate from that that there are certain professions that do work on the Sabbath. Um, If I took a very strict stance on the Sabbath, this would be an empty pulpit every Sunday. This is my job. You know, the preacher works one hour a week, twice if he teaches Sunday school, three if he teaches Bible study on Sunday evening. And so, you know what? I can't give up my one hour. That's funny, people. (laughs) So uh, doctors, nurses, ER workers, police officers um, are all within that exception of the Sabbath because they are doing works of mercy. But what I do want to look at this week is what is the commandment? Number one, what is what are we being told to do or not to do? How do we keep the specific commandment that God gives us? And why do we keep the commandment that God gives us? So the first thing I want us to look at today is what is the commandment? This is the first commandment that is given to us in the positive. Um, It's actually only one of two that is given to us in the positive. The rest of them are all given to us in a negative form. But we are commanded in this commandment two things. We are commanded to remember the Sabbath day, and we are commanded to keep it holy. So the first thing I want us to look at is is we are commanded to remember. Now, what does it mean to remember? As we consider this word here, uh, guys and gals, I want us to think of wedding anniversaries. Now, whether you're married or not, you've seen enough TV, read enough books, been around enough people who are married to understand that there's a way to remember your anniversary and a way to remember it. Now, on the inside of my wedding ring is inscribed a date, May 14th, 1994. Now, I can still get my ring off and I can still I can't read it because my eyes have gotten older uh, in the last 23 years, 23 plus years. But inside my wedding ring is inscribed my anniversary. So I can know that on May 14th, it is my anniversary. Is that enough when May 14th rolls around? Absolutely not. A lot of you guys are shaking your heads. Good job. Remembering means you take action. So if I wake up on May 14th and I just say, oh, wow, it's my anniversary and go about my day. Have I remembered my anniversary? No, remembering requires action. At minimum, I need to buy flowers, maybe take out some take Michelle out to dinner, uh, maybe even plan a weekend away. Who knows? But there has to be some type of action that is included in that remembering. It's the same way with the Sabbath. We don't just remember that there is a day that we are to call the Sabbath. There is action that is involved in remembering that Sabbath, and the action is to keep it holy. So we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, what does it mean to keep it holy? Well, the first thing is it means it's holy is something that is set apart for God's use. So think about the Israelites. After Moses had gotten the law, the Ten Commandments, he went up on the mountain and God gave him the plans for the tabernacle. This was a tent. It was a large tent, but it was a tent that was set apart for the holy use of God. It was set apart for where God could reside. The holy God could dwell in the midst of his people. There was an area wherever they camped that was set aside as the special holy place where the tabernacle would be set up. 
And fast forward in the history of Israel, whenever um, they settled the city of Jerusalem, there was an area of Jerusalem that was set aside as a holy place for God uh, to reside in the temple. But it's not just set apart. The Sabbath is a day that is not just set apart. It's a set apart for something specific. And that's this, the actions of praise and remembering. Remembering what God has done in his acts of creation or what God has done in his acts of redemption, which we'll look at here in a few moments. So the command is to remember by keeping it holy. How do we keep it holy? That comes from the next section of the command. The first way we keep the Sabbath day holy is not what we think. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. How do we keep the Sabbath holy? By working the other six days. This is as much a part of the commandment as the rest is that we're going to look at here in a few moments. As much as the worship is that we are going to look at here in a few moments. We cannot set aside one day as holy if we're not doing something different the other six. And what we are called to do the other six is to work. Now, work is not just merely going to a job and punching in. Work is not just merely showing up, but doing that well. Work is not something that is a part of the curse. Work is something that is difficult because of the curse, but it's something that we were given to do in creation. Adam was placed in the garden to tend and to care for the garden. He was placed in the garden to expand the boundaries of the garden to cover the whole earth so that God's glory could reside on the rest of the world and not just in the garden. We are called to work six days out of seven. Now, most of our jobs, if you still have a job, most of our jobs are a five Monday through Friday type thing. But, you know, there are other things that we can do for work as well on that sixth day. Not to pick on anybody in particular, but I think our American idea of retirement is counter to what the commandment says here. What do we think of as retirement? In our world, I'm going to work for 40 years. I'm going to save up enough money between my pension, my savings and my Social Security. And then I'm just going to rest. I'm going to sit back in my recliner and watch TV for the rest of my life. If that's your plan for retirement. Medically, that will be a very short plan, uh, because once you sit down and stop, your your body decides to catch up with you. Um, but that's not what we're designed for. Now, can we work for 40 years and retire from a job? Absolutely. But most people I know that have had what they would consider a full retirement have really kind of continued to work, even though they're retired. It may not be at the job that they were at before, but they have continued to work, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the community, whether it's through volunteer work. I'll brag on my mom a little bit here. About three or four months after dad passed away, she retired. I think she took about two weeks just sitting in the recliner watching TV and couldn't handle it. And so she volunteers several days a week for several charitable organizations, including her church in her community. My mom's probably busier today than she was when she had a full time job. Many of you in this room are doing that as well. But the first part of the commandment is to work. Six days you shall labor. 
And then the seventh is a day of rest. So the second way we keep the commandment is that we rest on the one day. There's two types of rest that we're going to look at. Is The first is a physical rest. Um, science these days is talking about the great benefits of physical rest. How many of you out there are just run down? How many of you out there just have a lack of energy? How many of you out there just struggle to put one foot in front of the other seven days a week? You're not getting enough rest. You're not stopping. God has woven into the fabric of time a rhythm of work and rest. And if we as humans don't stop every now and then and just take a breather, separating ourselves, as the catechism says here, not only being off work, not, even, not only being punched out from work, but by, in, but by stopping the unnecessary thoughts, words, or works about our worldly employments or recreations. How many of you on Saturday or even Sunday evening are sitting there worrying about what you got to do tomorrow when you punch in? Vacations. Vacations, they say it takes you three and a half days to wind down from work, and then it takes you another three and a half days to wind back up to work to get back home. How many of us truly rest when we take a day off? How many of us, myself included, won't put these things down on our day of rest? I carry this thing around typically with me to count my steps to make sure it holds me accountable to be active every now and then. Yes, I know, I have to have a phone to keep me accountable to be active. You know how many minutes it says I was active yesterday? Two, you know why? You know why? It's because when we went to Lowe's, when we went to Walmart, when we went and ran our errands, I made a conscious choice to leave it on the kitchen table. Nobody can call me if I don't have it. Nobody can text me if I don't have it. And they can leave a message. I wasn't gone that long. But we don't even disconnect from technology. We need physical rest. When we get enough physical rest, we have energy. When we get enough physical rest, we are... Uh, able to, to, we are better able to um, fight off colds and flu and infection. Not perfectly. We do still live in a fallen world. We have better health. Um, it's easier to lose weight. There are many benefits of physical rest that we forget. Our, our culture says you have to work all the time to get everything you can because success in life is marked by things. Success in life is marked by having the newest cars or the newest televisions or the newest telephones. God says, no, success in life is marked by glorifying me. And one of the ways you do that is rest. The other rest that we engage in on the Sabbath is a worship, worship rest. We step away from our worldly occupations and we spend time just just resting in the presence of God finding our refuge in Him. Our call to worship today talks about God as our only refuge. Life is hard, is it not? Life is difficult. And we separate out, we set this day as holy, we set it apart by spending a day in worship. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to show up here at 10 o'clock in the morning and you can't go home from church until sunset. 
But what it means is that instead of focusing on all the problems, all the work of our everyday life, we focus on God. How do we focus on God in our rest? Well, part of it is showing up to worship. Part of it is doing this weird countercultural thing of not being on the golf course or in bed on Sunday morning. But gathering with the saints to sing, to pray, to do all the weird things we do in church to remind us that we are gods. We belong to God. We are not gods ourselves. We belong to God as the people of God. But we don't just worship for two hours or one hour on a Sunday morning. Our whole day should be a day of worship. Sometimes we worship by doing what God did. What did God do after his six days? God rested. So sometimes we worship by going home and kicking back the recliner and taking a little nap. Sometimes we worship by after church is over, maybe taking a walk in the woods and just soaking in the fact that everything works together in the woods because God created it that way. Those trees are beautiful because God is beautiful. Those, those flowers will bloom in the spring because God said those flowers would bloom in the spring. What Paul says is we know from creation that we see his infinite power and his infinite glory. Every action that we take on the Sabbath, on the Sunday, on that day of rest, that day of worship should focus in some way, shape or form in God's work in this world and in our lives. We rest physically and we rest through worship. Finally, why do we keep the commandments? Why do we keep this specific commandment? We actually see this in the two presentations of the Ten Commandments in the first five books of the Bible. One that is here in Exodus 20 and the other that is in Deuteronomy 5, 15. Here it says the reason it gives to us is God's creative acts. For, God, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We are commanded throughout the law and throughout the New Testament to be holy as our God is holy. And one of the ways that we are holy as God is holy is because God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. And so that is the reason that, that God tells us here in Exodus chapter 20 that we keep the Sabbath day. Is because God did. Now, in a sense, God has has is still in that Sabbath rest. He is maintaining the creation, but he is no longer creating as he was in 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 Genesis chapter one. And that is the rest that we are striving for, that eternal rest in the presence of God that is brought to us through the second reason why we rest, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 15. As Moses gathers the people of God um, before they enter the promised land after their 40 years of wandering, he reminds them of these Ten Commandments. In verse 12 through 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the fourth commandment. And verse 15 says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, remembering the Sabbath day is rooted in God's redemption of Israel. 
Remember the law we looked at several weeks ago. It opens up with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Israelites had been slaves for generations in the land of Egypt. And God acted in a mighty way to rescue them from slavery and to bring them out of that work into his work of being the people of God. Paul tells us in the New Testament that the struggles, the wanderings, the rescue of the Israelites from slavery is given to us so that we might know how to live. So that we might have an example for us. And each of every one of us lived a good portion of our lives as slaves to sin. And God rescued us from that slavery. He rescued us by sending His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to keep the law where we failed to be tempted and yet not sin. To take the punishment for our sin upon Himself so that we might be purchased out of slavery and into freedom, into rest. Why do we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Because every Sunday that we gather, every Sunday that we worship, every Sunday that we stand before God and remember what He did is a celebration of our salvation. It is a reminder. I mentioned earlier, we gather on the first day of the week because Christ rose on the first day of the week. Our Sabbath worship is a celebration a remembering of our salvation. Next week, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what did Jesus tell His disciples? Do this in remembrance of Me. Every Sunday is a do this in remembrance of Me. Every Sunday is a do this in remembrance of what I have done for you in salvation. I have rescued you from slavery and I have set you on the path of that eternal rest that you will have when Christ returns. This is preparation for that. This is refuge. This is safety. This is rest from the world. As we gather, not just here, but as we spend an entire day reminding ourselves that Lord, yes, I was a sinner before you, but you have brought me out of that sin and placed me in a place of rest. What is the commandment? The commandment is to remember it and keep it holy. How do we keep it? We work six days. We rest on one. Why do we keep it? Because of God's acts in creation and his acts in redemption. So what can we do on a Sunday or what can't we do on a Sunday? I'm not going to tell you. I've given you the framework. I've given you the foundation. You can figure it out on your own. Because as soon as I say do this or don't do that, we're in danger of walking down the road to Pharisaism and legalism. We're in danger of walking down the road to where I can say, you know what, I did this or I didn't do this on the Sabbath, so I have kept the law, focusing on my actions and not my heart. The law talks to both. As much as the first commandment is no other gods before me, so is the fourth, and the fifth, and the sixth, and the seventh, and the eighth, and the ninth, and the tenth, the second, and the third as well. 
What are we called to do on the Sabbath? We're called to remember. We're called to keep it holy. Remember what God did in creation. Remember what God did in redemption. Work six days to the glory of God and then rest on one to the glory of God. Because God rested after creation and because Jesus has purchased our eternal rest with his life. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, help us to rest in you. Help us to separate from our worldly concerns. Help us to separate from the worries, the anxieties, the stresses, the joys of life outside of these walls. And spend a day resting in you. Help us to seek your glory in our rest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.